Hey guys, what's up here? This is another episode of Find Your Film, but it is not an episode with me, Eric Holmes, and Bruce Perky doing a weekly review of the movies coming out on a respective Friday. Now, this is another interview as part of our podcast feed. This interview, you're gonna the first interview you're gonna get is with Eric Holmes, co-host Eric Holmes interviews Scott Atkins. He is the lead of this new movie called One Shot. And it's a movie that hits theaters and on demand November 5th. The movie One Shot is specifically that. The film is one shot. Now, the director, I also in this podcast feed, along with Scott Atkins, you will get my interview with director James Nunn. And James Nunn and Scott Atkins did admit that there are some hidden cuts behind one shot. That said, this movie can can be appreciated as a quote-unquote one-shot film. It's a very seamless film. And you know what James Nunn mentioned? It had the same kind of you know aesthetic as Sam Mendes' is, uh, 1917. Okay, so think of 1917 when you're thinking of one shot. Obviously, obviously, this is does not have the big budget of 1917, or maybe even if you put in inflation, maybe Hitchcock's 1948 film Rope. I'm sure back in the day that movie cost more than what one shot would be right now. Adjustable inflation rates, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, one shot is it worth watching? Unbiasedly, okay. We did get James Dunn as a director, and we did get, get Scott Adkins. Eric Holmes is a huge Scott Adkins fan. Thanks to him, I got into Scott Adkins. I started watching Adventure and all this stuff, and now two years later, after just doing these podcasts with Eric Holmes, I'm a huge Scott Adkins fan as well. Now, unbiasedly though, okay, without all these interviews, One Shot's an awesome movie. Okay, it is really well done. If you just want wall-to-wall action like eric holmes says in the interview it is wall-to-wall action if you want to see a lot of bullets fly people getting mowed down killed there's a lot of killing in one shot and it is violent okay if you want a visceral thrill on a surface level with that one shot mechanic highly recommended just you can just watch that watch the movie on that surface sheen you know what in fact we're going to be talking about this I, sh- I shouldn't even review the movie we're going to be reviewing the movie this week but i loved one shot i haven't actually gotten eric holmes's full review of it via messenger but he said it was awesome as well highly recommend one shot also okay one more thing one shot along with scott adkins's performance ryan Phillippe is in here he plays. Oh, the, hold on. The here's a synopsis for this for this movie. Okay, quote: In an effort to prevent a terrorist attack on a Washington D.C., an elite squad of Navy SEALs led by Lieutenant Blake Harris, played by Scott Atkins, and a junior CIA analyst named Zoe Anderson, played by Ashley Green, must retrieve a prisoner from a CIA black site island prison. That prisoner is played by Walid El Ghadi, and he get, he's fantastic in this movie both not both all like walid al ashley green scott adkins are all fantastic in this movie as well as the navy seals members who support blake harris played by adkins everyone in this movie does a great job and i really i was surprised at how much i really loved one one shot we'll we'll definitely do the review this week so yes go check this movie when it hits theaters and on demand November 5th. Tell us what you think about this movie. I'm really excited to see what Bruce has to say about One Shot. I really hope he loves this movie as much as both me and Eric Holmes does. What I'm going to do is the first half, you're going to hear Eric's interview with Scott Atkins. Hopefully, a, a lot of you are fans of his work. And, you know, hit us up and tell us what are some of your favorite Scott Atkins films as well. And then after that, I'm just going to 
I don't know if it plays well on audio, but just so you can get a little bit of a flavor and a break, I will put on the audio version of the one-shot trailer. And then after the one-shot trailer, you're going to get my interview with director James Nunn. And look, at towards the end of that interview with Nunn, I mentioned, I sound like I was blowing smoke up as you know what when I said that, is he ready to be a big-time commercial Hollywood film director like if Disney or Paramount or Fox, well, not Fox now, but Sony, if they ever gave him $100 million, is he ready to take on those reins? The reason why I say that is watching a movie like One Shot, I just realized how talented James Nunn is and what he and his the, his ensemble and his cat and his crew were able to pull off with One Shot. And it'll be interesting for me as a cinephile to see what Nunn can do with an even bigger budget because right now, as Eric alludes to with his interview with Atkins, there's a, the action sequences in One Shot are more thrilling than a lot of the big budget movies that I'm sure a lot of you watch on streaming services and in the theaters. We'd love to hear what you think of One Shot when you guys get to see it. I'm going to shut up now here. First off is Eric's interview with Scott Atkins on One Shot. And then after that, you're going to hear the trailer and me babbling again. Okay, so I'm going to shut up now. Thank you guys so much for supporting me, Eric Holmes and Bruce Berkey here on the Find Your Film Podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. First of all, thanks, Emma and uh scott for doing this i'm pretty excited big fan of your movies thank you mate nice to meet you (laughs) so i saw saw one shot the other day one of the things that struck me when i first uh clicked on it was like oh one shot you know it'd be cool if this movie was all one shot and then i'm pretty slow so i got about 10 minutes into it before i realized holy shit they're freaking doing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's cool that's cool you would have thought they would have put it in the marketing a bit more but it's kind of cool that people are watching it and slowly realizing that, oh, shit, this is one shot, just like the title. So that movie's pretty dang ambitious with, with as much action that's going in the background. And I was looking for, uh, you know, because the, the one shot movies are rarely actually one shot. They got the hidden cuts and I was looking for them and they were hidden quite well. How much like how many actual cuts are in the movie and how much preparation did that take? I imagine it'd be quite a bit. I don't want to say how many cuts there are because I think it's better that people can have a bit of fun looking for them if they like, if they're so inclined. But, you know, I think the film definitely works on a, on a, a different level to that. I mean, you can watch it from a technical standpoint or you can just get completely swept up in the narrative. And I think it's successful in both ways. I can tell you that we tried as much as possible to make those takes as legitimately long as we could including the action sequences. So only if we had to, did we, did we cut? Yeah. Well, I, I would say that uh, you're quite successful in that. I'm a big fan. I've seen a lot of your movies. So I, you know, before the interview, I went back and uh, going through your filmography. I'm like, what's some movies I haven't seen yet. And I saw that uh, you did some writing on accident, man. And so right away, I'm like, well, fuck, I got to watch that. And uh, you did some rewriting with Stu Small. How, how, how did the writing process go? Because I didn't know you were a writer or interested in that. Are you going to do some more of that in the future, maybe? I'm currently talking to you from, I've just finished like rehearsing the fight scene for Accident Man 2. So I've, um, Stu and I have, have, have written that again. And, you know, what it was is I was a big fan of the comic book as a kid and I wanted to make it into a movie and I got the rights and I, I, said to my friend Stu at the time who hadn't written anything that had been produced at that point, like, let's do it together because we were friends from school. Let's just start writing it, see how we go. And um, yeah, we wrote it together and 
Sony uh, wanted to make it. And so we were successful in doing that and we've done it again. Um, I, I didn't really have any plans to become a writer. I just wanted to see this comic book made into a film. So that, that's why I did it really. But, I, you know, I've been creatively involved in a lot of my projects recently and I feel like if I am, it's the film's better for it. Well, with the uh, also with the writing... I know with uh, a lot of action movies, there's a lot of, you could almost say that the uh, stunt coordinators should probably deserve a writing credit because of, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the fights kind of tell the story. When you get a uh, action script, do you normally have, like when the action scenes come up, do you normally get like the detailed action scenes like blow for blow or do you prefer, or do you prefer, I understand the process. I'm not going to write a load of action that's going to be changed because you don't even know what the location you're going to be using is. You can hope that it might be something, but on these sorts of budgets, you're going to get what you get and you have to design the action to that. So I just write, they fight. I remember the first script for accident man going off for coverage where other want wannabe writers will read your script and they will tell producers whether they think it's good or not or not. And I remember this one marking me down because I'd written they fight and it's like well you don't know what you're talking about because that's going to be choreographed by the fight coordinator and there might be some specific story beats that you need to keep in there but why am i going to write out each punch and each kick you know it's pointless for me anyway so i I guess bringing that back to one shot like what does the script for that look like because that i mean one one shot is basically wall-to-wall action other than a few key scenes where you know, it kind of slows down a bit, but not for. Well, very here's long. the thing: you can sit there on your laptop writing it, but specifically for for one shot, you need to find the location because everything is timed. The dialogue needs to be timed to the length it takes to walk from here to there because there's no editing. You got to time the whole thing out. So the script was written, then the location was found. When the location was found, the script was rewritten for that location, and then even then we had to do more rewriting. So you know, it's uh, it's a lot more to it than that. That sounds like a that sounds like a big pain in the butt. But it's, yeah. in uh, fact, with one shot, we realised that the movie was going to come in under an hour and thirty minutes. Um, so we quickly wrote new stuff that we could film. So you know, it's a constantly evolving um, situation. Sweet. Also, I wanted to talk about a different fighting styles in uh, different movies. Uh, one of the movies that us on the podcast really liked was the Max Cloud with uh, Martin Owen, Sally Kled, and Elliot Langridge and yourself. But you have like a really stiff fighting style because you're a video game character. And so it really works for that character. But then something like One Shot, you have more of a, uh, I don't know, it feels more raw because you're fighting for your life. And then something like Avengement where your character is just freak, you know, he just goes straight up brutal on everyone. How, how do you how do you uh, come up with your different fighting styles for each you different pro- serve, process? Yeah, you have to serve the tone of the movie. It's no good the director making one movie and then you arrange a fight sequence and it's it seems like it's from a completely different film. I'll give I'll give you an example of of where it was done completely wrong and hopefully not pissing off too many people. But do you remember Romeo Must Die with Jet Li? Yes. Romeo must die set in the, the real world. And then he has an American football game. And all of a sudden he's flying around on wires. It's like, hang on. I know the Matrix was successful, but this is not that type of movie, right? So you have to be aware of what the tone of the movie is you're making and adjust the action accordingly. 
Well, um, also, I wanted to comment on, uh, I, I watched the Corridor crew, and you were on that, the React to uh, Stunts. On that, first of all, anyone listening should go check that out. Corridor crew is awesome, and Scott Atkins is particularly good. But from that, I found out that you had a, your own YouTube page where you do Art of Action, and you got to uh, interview people like uh, Ken Kasugi, Michael Jai White, John Hyams, and um, I'm currently going through all those. And uh, yeah, good job on the YouTube page. And what can you tell people about that? Yeah, I'm glad you enjoy it. You know, the pandemic happened. There wasn't anything else to do. So I thought I'd do a few uh, kicking seminars online on on YouTube and teach people how to kick, my style anyway. And then that led to the art of action where I interview other sort of action performers and action directors and fight coordinators and you know on one level i get to talk to people that i grew up admiring and then on another level it's kind of like action filmmaking school um talking to directors like chad stahelski and sam hargrave and john hyams you know people that really know their stuff and so yeah if you want to learn how to shoot action um check it out yeah for for an action nerd such as myself it's uh it's pretty much crack and i really appreciate (laughs) that um give me that crack (laughs) <laughs> Any more of that crack? Yeah, I, I guess uh, another uh, kind of esoteric question, I guess, is so there's a lot of back in the day, you had a lot of uh, directed DVD movie or direct, not directed, directed video movies like the uh, the Ninja movies with Shokusugi, Michael Dudikoff, so on and so forth. And then later on, you have like Isaac Florentine, John Hyams kind of picked up the ball. And it, it seems like a, it seems like this underground thing that kind of people turn their nose up at it. But the fact is that these are movies where you guys are just going for it. And there's some really great stuff that I think a lot of people don't, they don't, uh, I don't think they give them their fair due, but now in the day of like digital releasing the, uh, you know, quote unquote, you know, you know, movie movies and straight to DVD movies are kind of uh, that line's being blurred. And you guys are standing, you know, with Jesse B. Johnson. All his movies are freaking awesome. I don't know. I, I, how come Hollywood's not catching up with you guys, I guess, would be the question. Yeah, well, yeah, you're saying that on Netflix and other streaming places that my films, Jesse's films, John Himes' films, they stand toe-to-toe with the bigger budget fair and, you know, all seems equal. Um, of course, we're doing what we do on a, on a much lesser budget still. Well, the thing um, is, I, I I wouldn't say the same toe to toe. I I think you guys are better in in terms of action. It's just undeniable. Like, you know, not nothing against like you know Hollywood action movies, but they, uh, you know they do the quick cuts, and you can't see the you can't see the action. It doesn't have that visceral kind of punch that that the uh, that your type of movies do. Because I don't know how to do it. They think all that editing makes it better, but 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 it doesn't. But now you've got people like Chad Stahelski and Sam Hargrave doing the big budget stuff that know how to do it. And now the studios will probably realize their mistake. Finally, I don't yeah. know, talk <laughs> years, but um, yeah, we you know we've been doing that with our movies for a long time, and that's why we've had our fan base because I know when it comes to the action, you get, it's going to deliver it, and it's real, and it's not CG, it's not like a cartoon. It's real guys doing the real stuff. And there's always been an audience for that. Um, But yeah, I do feel like more people have seen my films since the pandemic happened and people sitting and watching Netflix and yeah, you're discovering a Scott Atkins movie or a Jesse movie, you know, 
And so it has changed a bit. Um, just give me some more money, please. I, I can do an even better job. Well, I, I got uh, one last question. My uh, co-host Bruce has, well, we have a segment called What's in the Box and people put, basically they pick a movie that not a lot of people have seen. And what's what's a movie maybe uh, from your past or a movie that really spoke to you that uh, you think more people should uh, check out that we could put in that box? God, that's a tough one, isn't it? There's a film called Kuriobi, means black belt, Japanese karate film, which is a really good film. It's with these proper karate masters, some really great fights, but the uh, it's a good film as well. You know, it's it's a real good story, and that's one that they should check out. Kuriobi. All right, I will have them. I'll have them put that in there. And thank you very much for your time. I'm a huge fan, and uh, this made my day. Uh, I got the uh, email a day before my birthday, and I was like, "Well, this is going to be freaking awesome." So, thank oh, no, thank you for no. coming out. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, good talking to you. All the best. Yes, you too. Okay, mate. See you. Sir arrived ten days ago. We the only ones out here? Just us. And I guess. The cell in Europe has been trying to build a dirty bone. We traced it to DC. The detainees that come here do not depart until we've properly vetted. Are you a mean man, sir? I've been a terrible mistake. We screw up and one of these guys hurts the homeland. It's all over CNN. Uh, something's not right. On me. James, I'm going to ask you the question that every single unimaginative journalist has asked you, but how the heck did you do this wonder? Because there's so many ways you're doing it. It's seemingly in real time and anyone, people are human. They make mistakes in, in a layperson's answer. Uh, how, how do you do it? How, how were you able to do that? This? I don't know. <laughs> it's a miracle. Yeah, it was, it was very, very tough, Greg. Like lots of pre-planning lots of technical ability from you know the crew and the cast it was just a sort of trying to think of like a a kind of good way to sum it up but it was just like a a merging of all these elements um and and luck and preparedness that really allowed us to accomplish it there are a few hidden cuts in there i don't know if you saw them (laughs) but um it's t- it took more of a Birdman sort of 1917 approach to it. And 
we did run long takes though we were still we were really we were a low budget movie and we, we can't afford the days the long days to be cut putting cuts in everywhere so it was kind of a necessity of the project anyway uh to have to run these long takes and in a weird way as i was saying about everyone bringing their a game everyone kind of the pressure is raised the bar is so high because you don't want to be the person that messes up so if um and and that not just for the acting that's for like the camera operator that's for the guy firing the squib zerks at the wall it's for like the art department doing the smoke it's for all of the background artists just nobody wanted to like turn to the other cast and be like i'm sorry we've got to go again that was my fault it was just this sort of amazingly tense atmosphere which in turn adds to the intensity of what was already a tense script um, and the environment. James, obviously you're an ambitious filmmaker, but what's it like to, as far as working with a top of the line actor like Scott, who, you know, I've interviewed him before. I've watched his work. He just seems like a very, I think this, I'm saying this in a good way, a very demanding actor. He just wants the best out of what he can take from a project. And what is it like to merge those two ambitions together as far as that collaboration goes? Yeah, I've been very fortunate in that this was my third collaboration with Scott. So we trust each other and we've known each other for nine years now, um, doing fight stuff and not doing long takes, but doing longish take fight stuff as well. And so there's a trust that we have between each other. He responds well to my direction. I respond well to like his method of working. I think you pick on some, pick up on something very true. He's an extremely hardworking actor, um, an extremely hardworking, um, you know, martial artist or on-screen fighter, whatever you want to deem his sort of brand of action. And he really wants that to look good. And I want that to look good as well, but I also want the drama to look good. So the kind of collaboration between the two of us works really well because he won't settle for bad fighting action because it's his uh, brand and it's his livelihood. And I won't sell for bad, well, I won't sell for bad fighting, but I won't sell for bad acting. So we we just come at it from two sides of the same coin where we both want a great project. And the trust is there and the, the experience is there together. And actually the project, I wrote the project six years ago, always for Scott to play the lead. So, and he knew about it six years ago. So, it's something that together we we've been we've actually been trying to get made and then we couldn't get it made and we, then we got it made so we've been on this big journey so he he knows as well where my passion comes from in terms of wanting to achieve something incredibly like technically difficult and fresh and he want he wanted to be on that journey as well because he felt like you know everyone does the long one take fight at some point in their career and i'm sure he's done a few but like no one's done the long one take fight movie before and that was something that I wanted under my belt and I know that he probably wanted on his CV as well because you know when you're one of the greatest martial art on screen fighters actors working out there how do you keep pushing the boundary you know this is a movie that's that's just not action and it's a wonder you could have made it simply that but you also built in a huge world in this movie it's not it's a scott adkins film but it it really isn't in many ways because can you just talk about how your ensemble gets to shine because of this sort of aesthetic everyone sort of gets their own moment within the story and can you just elaborate on that and i thought that was really 
a masterstroke what you did with just telling so many stories within this one. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, so it was always the intention to, you know, really make an ensemble movie with this and um, show like a, a whole world because as interesting as it can be to follow one person for 90 minutes, you know, that also, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. And you, if you look at movies like Phone Booth and you look at movies like Buried, and those are great, like one person, 90 minute movies, but there's always something that's like, well, if you just could expand the world a bit more, it would maybe be even better. And although it was like high on the agenda to make this one short action movie with Scott, I did want it to cross like genres in a way and not just be a Scott movie. Like I really wanted to kind of hit the computer game crowd, like the military crowd, like the people who like one shot movies crowd, like the prison movie crowd. And it was a case of like, well, okay, from an aesthetic reason, I'm trying to hit all of those crowds, but then I'm also trying to put in good acting. And for that, you kind of need some good actors. You need drama, you know, and you need, you can't just have one guy playing the same scene where he gets sad, happy action the whole way. You need other characters as well to follow. And it felt like a unique and fresh way to do it, to be able to kind of what we, what I tried to do was make it seamless, but try to do these handovers to these different characters where you kind of didn't even really feel it. You ju- it just sort of organically happened at, through like being very intimate with the camera, being very close to the whoever was story I was telling at that point and that's kind of it was very much like um a re-education in how to make a movie in in a weird way because it's not the same as making a movie in a very traditional sense you know like when I'm planning to shoot coverage or whatever I might get 40 setups a day here's your close-up here's a close-up of a gun here's the bullet hitting the ground here's that person's eyes here's that you know and you're really kind of like telling the audience exactly where they have to focus. Whereas with this one, it was like, oh no, like I need to tell you where to focus, but I also want you to be able to kind of like immerse yourself in the world and almost like focus on 80% of what I want you to focus on, but kind of like let there be some wiggle room where your eyes can wander and like look at other characters. And and then I think that actually helped the seamlessness of like getting to other characters because it kind of was like, Oh, I, I know. I, I always see that character there. Like it's when you're at a party and you always see that person there and you maybe don't go and talk to them until later in the evening, but you know, they were there. And it's kind of like that. You're like, you're, you're watching and there's this actor in the back and you're like, Oh yeah, I don't really know who he is, but he was always there. So he's important. And then later you're going to hand over to him and you're going to kind of forget that you, you've got a lead almost. You're just going to move around the party. Uh, that's the first time I've come up with that analogy, but it's kind of true. You know, I, maybe I'm overstating the point, but, you know, Ashley and Ryan, they could actually be leads in their own film. And does it really say a lot to your this dream project that you have lead actors like Ashley and Ryan being team players? And in, 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 in also on the flip side, you as a storyteller, this is not just stunt casting for names. You're, you're giving them such great roles as well. So it's sort of both sides of the coin. Can you just talk about that element of your film, which I thought it just really, it really felt like a team project to me. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, Definitely team is forefront of my agenda anyway. As a filmmaker, I actually come from a first assistant um, director background. So being very technical on set, working as a team, never sort of like trying, like um, that's the kind of 
um culture i like on my set where like everyone's kind of got a voice and and because of the low budget nature it's not like we've got thousand people running around we are we were quite an intimate crew and i will listen to everyone and i'm not always the smartest person in the room so i'm kind of very interested to hear people's ideas so team is very important to me but with regards to ashley and uh, ryan that was totally by design because as i say you can't just have a 90 minute movie where it's following one character fighting. I mean, you could, and maybe it would be good, but it's not the movie that I wanted to make. This movie was always about handing over to other actors and like enjoying other performances and other perspectives. And Ashley, you're totally correct. Like wonderful actress. And really you kind of hit the nail on the head in a weird way as well, because it's kind of not a Scott movie. Like actually Scott leads the first three minutes in the chopper and then it becomes kind of like an Ashley movie for like 15 minutes with like a Ryan scene. And then we, re- I really, that was a really a commitment. Like I actually take the camera off of Scott for at least six, seven minutes in that sort of opening six minutes. He's there. He's just on the side. Now, if I didn't have that trust in Scott and Scott didn't have that trust in me, maybe he'd be like, dude, I'm like the lead character. Why are you not pointing the camera at me? It's like, just trust me. Like, you're going to be you're going to be back in in a minute. Like I need to go to other people. And he, and he was really generous that he would let me do that. And the same way that Ashley was really generous that she would let me do that. And I think when we were writing the script, my writer, Jamie Russell, there was a real conscious effort to be like, right, we really want to be taken seriously. We really want to try and create something that's military correct um, as always correct as we could be and not boring. But then the the trouble you have with like a lot of military stuff is it's so expositional and boring. (laughs) Like when you hear it in movies around tables and it's like, Oh, this gun went off in like Islamabad and da da da. And then there's these terrorists here and this is happening there. And this is, that's going on in Iran and blah, blah, blah. And it, and it can get a bit like heavy and like what's going on. I'm not really following it. And where's the passion in what they're saying. And, you end up getting to the edit room and you end up just cutting it down to just be like, right, well, what I need to tell here to just get through this sequence. So we knew from like script level, we needed an actress who was going to be able to just deliver and sell expositional dialogue in a very believable way. And that put Ashley at, actually like at the real top of our list because seeing her work in the, in the past, yes, she's good at drama. Yes, she's good at like the emotional stuff, but also she's really good at delivering like expositional military words and, 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 and you believe her. And I like, I, I have sometimes, I don't do it so much anymore, but when I used to, in my early days as a filmmaker, I used to write on my hand, do I believe what I'm watching? And it just remind me at the moment, because you're running so fast when you're trying to shoot a movie, especially as I say, low budget, you're, you're kind of like, get to the next shot, get to the next shot. You have to remind yourself like, well, hang on a minute. Like, is the acting good in this one? Like, do I actually believe what I'm seeing? And I would sit there every day and I'd just look at Ashley and I'd be like, yep, totally believe what she's saying. Like, and that's all you really want as a film director. And, she really owned that. So kudos to her. I thought she was tremendous. So, so happy with her performance. And then very similarly with Ryan. Like, he's a, he's a Hollywood A-list guy. I remember him from Cruel Intentions as a kid. So he'll always be that character in a weird way. And he seems ageless, like a vampire, you know, because that movie was like 30 years ago and he, he doesn't look like he's changed at all. Um, so, but he came in and he's got, you know, he's got that military background through shooter as well, which was really beneficial because one of the things I really needed these guys to do 
on such a short space of turnaround and also being so immersive was really understand and get into their characters because I couldn't, when you're doing like a 12 minute, 13 minute take, you can't run in and go, can you just like be a little bit more military? And the great thing that Ryan had just in his instinct because of all those years on shooter was just he kind of knew how a soldier moves how a uh, how a military man moves so when we were shooting these scenes and you know if the camera does go off you but you still have to do something for six minutes in the background like you I I was really pleased to get people that I could rely on to just kind of like know their character know the background of the character they don't just sort of all of a sudden stop being on and Ryan, I found Ryan to be really good at that. He was just like, even when he wasn't front and center, he was like walking and acting right. And um, I think you feel it in the movie, you know? James, my final question to you is for, we're going to give this, a, I'm going to give this a really great review on, on the Find Your Film podcast. So we'll get a recommend it to our listeners. But James, I want to throw it to you. Can you name one of your all-time favorite movies? And what is it about this movie that still speaks to you today? And so we can recommend that your movie to our listeners. Oh, man. It's such a big question. Um, <laughs> so I, I do love this question, but I hate this question because it really depends on how I'm feeling right now. Um, my stock answer for this question is always Jurassic Park. And that is because it is the movie that influenced me when I was nine years old to make movies. I re- it really connected with me in, in more than a kind of movie about dinosaurs, but actually kind of like the magic of telling a story through elements that kind of weren't really there. And I, I had this kind of epiphany in the cinema where I was like, I want to be a film director. So Jurassic Park for the kind of nostalgia and career affirming, but I feel like that's not really the answer I kind of want to give you, which is, oh man, I love Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. I would love to be the guy who had made Collateral. I just think that movie's so so well put together, soundtrack's great, acting's great, story's great, concept's great. They mix technologies with the film and the digital, like the advent of digital cameras at, at the time. I think it was like 2004 or something like that. And Michael Mann's brilliant at, at that stuff. It's so contained, but it feels big. It's kind of like the movies I would love to be making. So I've, I've given you two answers, Greg. I'm sorry, I'm greedy. Uh, thank you so much. I'm also, I'm also greedy. Emma's going to kill me right now. But in 20, 25 seconds, I can't wait till someone gives you $100 million to, to do a really big budget studio film. How re- You said this is not your early days as a filmmaker. How ready are you just to jump to the quote unquote big leagues? Because this movie has it all. That's really kind of you, Greg. I feel very, I feel very ready. Um, this is actually my seventh movie. Um, and I'm only 36, I turned 36 two days ago. I've really been doing this for a kind of a long time but not a long time but all of my life basically and I've been waiting for that kind of big budget door to open which is part of the reason that One Shot exists because it was really designed to be a movie that could really capitalize and show off my ability on a technical scale as well as a drama scale and an action scale so I'm really pleased that you said that and may I would love for someone to give me even 50 million dollars so if you're out there listening to Greg's show I'm here I'll take 50 oh, maybe even 40 and James in a year from now me and Emma will be in the same room we'll do, be doing the same interview and you better not big time us that's all I'm going to say so <laughs> I'll be there Greg appreciate it man alright thank you take care take care have a nice day mate